It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the last word on Spurs. We do hope you're keeping very safe and well in what yet is another therapy session here. Um, it's becoming quite frequent on the last word on Spurs, you have to say, unfortunately. If you're listening to the show for the very first time, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Audio Boom, or across a range of different audio platforms. You can, of course, find us across social media. We're on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. And for better or for worse, you decide we're also live on YouTube. Delighted to be having back three returning guests to the last one on Spurs. The last time I spoke to this man, Spurs were top of the league, having just beaten Manchester City, and it was effectively Nuno Ball. How much did we know? One game in, three points later. Great to have George Achillea back on the last one on Spurs. George, how are you? I'm I'm good, man. Uh, Well, for the most part, I'm personally good. Um, But yeah, horrible day for Spurs and... uh... I'm sure we'll get into it soon. But yeah, I'm all right, thanks. It's good to have you here, George. And like I say, Thank you. tough circumstances. You know, I feel I have to apologise to bring in guests on now due to the nature <laughs> of some of Spurs' performances. But there you go. There we have it, the nature of it. Also, pleased to have back on the show. Love hearing his insightful opinions. We've got the great Frankie Major back on the last one on Spurs. Frank, here we go again. Groundhog Day, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm okay, but not okay, obviously, with that today. It's the result more than anything. Um where I live, I'm surrounded by West Ham fans. In fact, my neighbour, who's a season ticket holder, he, he didn't knock or anything. He posted me a programme about 10 minutes ago of the match. Just posted it through my letterbox. So I'm in for a week of, of hell. But um, I hate losing to West Ham, Rick. So frustrated. But we'll, we'll get into it in a minute. We will indeed. And also, pleased to be handing out a debut. It could and should be under better circumstances. But like I say, really pleased to welcome to the show... Broadcaster, sports journalist at TalkSport. We've got Russ Williams joining us. Russ, sorry to do this to you. How I are know. you? Lovely to hear you here. 
It's um, it, it's great to be on uh, with Frankie and Georgie and yourself, uh, Ricky, and uh, like all of you and all the listeners and viewers, uh, I love Spurs, but we've all got different opinions, so it's going to be a, an interesting show, but it's great to be here. And lovely to have you here, Russ. Very much so indeed. Right, guys, um, many will say, where can you start on the back of yet another Derby defeat, London Derby defeat? Let's start with you, George. Just come to you because Spurs lose by one goal to nil up at obviously that West Ham Stadium. I'm not going to give the name of it, um, but uh, <laughs> all London Derby so far this season, four defeats. There was not a lot in the game, but you know today Spurs were simply just second best in all of the key areas. How did you see that result, that performance up against West Ham? I think like I'm not going to be I'm going to be honest. Like when I was there, I feel like I was going to fall asleep. Like it was, and it's from from both sides. To be honest with you, like I feel like in the end, a, a draw probably would have been a fair result because I don't really think they created too much. I think they were actually playing fairly similar to us in that it was just kind of passing it around, waiting for the moments. Um, and when we had the ball, they they were sitting back with everyone behind the ball. But then again, like we didn't we didn't try and do any sort of killer move or or anything like that. It was just again, I was seeing it pass left and right, and it just it it wasn't entertaining or interesting to watch. But it was good that we just weren't conceding early. And I was like, okay, we got to half time. Goal would have been nice, but you know what? I'll take nil nil. I would have taken it before the game at that point. Um, but then second half, man, it's like you said, it's supposed to be a London derby. Like, and I, I just didn't see any, pa- what well, the only player I saw passion from was from Romero. And he's only been with us for a couple of months. And it was like, surely the likes of Kane and Son and that like should be geared up and ready. And they just it didn't seem that way today, to be honest. Yeah. And I think I say today, it's one of those games where when you look at it, um, first and foremost, for me, looking at it, you know, motivation should not even be, an issue here. It's a London derby. It's West Ham. If you ask any Spurs fan on the calendar, um, you know, this is a key game for the club. And I I just, I have to wonder, come around to you, Russ, you know, Spurs, when you look at it as a whole now, that's four London derby defeats by the end of October. And today's another bad look for Nuno after leaving that first 11 at home for Arnhem. And you've got to say five of that West Ham team, they played on Thursday night. And you have to wonder just from a Spurs perspective, what, is simply going on at the moment. What did you make of that performance at well, the display up at, I'd say, West Ham? It wasn't as bad as the Arsenal game, um, but it was pretty bad. I mean, I sat there watching it. it it's it's It was like watching a team, and, and, you know, maybe some of our people watching and listening to this won't like this. West Ham seemed to be a team that are progressing, and we are a team that are regressing and continuing to do so. The tactics are all over the place. The personnel, um, there's no desire. You know, there's no Spurs blood pumping through the veins. There's no, uh, you know, accepting of the players that our club plays in a certain way that we are all very familiar with. It is, you know, as Frankie was saying, it was sideways, sideways, sideways back. There's no pressing. We can't press anymore. There's, There's just no quick passing. Um, you know, and then you've got Harry Kane who keeps coming back deeper, deeper. He should be told you stay up there on the shoulders of the central defenders. You're there to score goals, you know, but it's maybe it's frustration. But to me, it's it's a disjointed mess. Yeah, I think it's hard to agree with that. I mean, Frank, let's come to you. You know, like Russ says there, for me, just on the eye, it, 
it's just simply not good enough. You know, no shots in that second half. And, you know, we have to also ask the question, what on earth was said at half time? You know, West Ham, they didn't actually need to get out a second gear to win that game. There was no passing, no creativity. And the worst thing about all this, Frank, is that I can't see it getting any better. And, you know, as a show, we always try to be rational and we're not a show that knee jerks. We try and say it as it is. What we see is, like I say, what we try and display and represent in terms of the show. Can you tell me, Frank, it's going to get better on the basis of what we had to watch today? Well, I don't know because it's probably our strongest 11, which is the, the worrying thing. And I, I don't think we deserve to lose today, but we probably didn't deserve to win. Um, as I said off air, I thought we had the best of the first half. After the first 10 or 15 minutes, we quietened the crowd. Uh, we got a foothold on the ball. I know it was a lot of sideways and backwards and sideways and backwards, but we did create openings and I thought enough openings to score. Um, I don't know what happened at half time because the second half, when I expected us to maybe up a level and up the gears, we didn't. And then we only showed that little bit of urgency when we went 1-0 down, which is, it, it, what's the point? It's, it's ridiculous. And um, our biggest issue for me at the moment is, is the squad depth because when that game, you're looking at it and they scored a goal or just prior to that, 65 minutes, it looks a bit flat. You look at the bench, who is going to come off the bench and score you a goal or create an opening? And at the moment, there isn't one. I mean, Delhi has done it for us in the past, but over the last two or three years, he hasn't. His confidence is low. Uh, Lacelso is not exactly prolific. Brian Hill's a kid. We have got one senior striker at this football club, and that is on the board. Um, so who's going to come off the bench and ever score a goal for us? Because if you look at the starting eleven as well today consistently, where are the goals coming from in the eleven, let alone the bench? We've got Kane, we've got Son, and, and who else? Um, most other clubs, top four or the bigger clubs, or, or us, we used to have maybe an inside forward or a winger who could contribute with goals, or an Ericsson or Delhi when he was at it in that team with that system. We haven't got any of that now. So without Kane or Son firing on all cylinders, we can't score. Um, we're not exactly the most solid. I'll tell you the one alarming thing, Rick, for me about the goal is we all know somebody actually put a tweet up, I can't remember the guy's name, that he said, Dear Nuno, West Ham United score a lot of their goals from set pieces, corners at the front post. I'm sure you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, seen I've, this. Seen this. Seen I've seen it, yeah. Be, yeah, care yeah. be careful. They score a lot of... Uh, Cresswell's obviously got fantastic delivery. Uh, they target the near post, flick-ons and goals, right? Yeah. So he puts Oliver Skip, who's five for eight, marking the space at the near post. Where, and he's got Lucas Moore on Southcheck, where yeah. I think Eric Dyer possibly should be on Southcheck and Lucas Moore at the front post. Because if Lucas is at the front post, he wins that header that Skip misses. And all of these things, you look at it, I'm not a professional coach. You're not a professional coach. This guy on Twitter is not a professional coach. And we seem to know more, as we did about the 4-3-3 and changing the formation and the, and the starting eleven. We all seem to know more than our manager at the moment. So it, I just don't know what to say. I'm so... I mean, I come on here at times, Rick, and I try to be positive and I try to be balanced, but I am so negative about what is in store. It's going to be a long season for me. I, I, I'm not into the manager. I'm not into this bunch of players. And I'm, I'm a bit concerned. It could just be an absolute nothing season for us. And um, we're just falling further away from the pack, Rick. And I, mean, I, I hate to be negative, but I'm Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I know I've got you booked in for a lot of shows coming up, Frank. So um, I will feel your pain with you, believe me. As many as you've got to do, think of me quadrupling that. I tell you, it's, it is going to be a, a painful season ahead. George, just to bring it right back round to you, I think one of the things that people are picking up on, we are going to, like I say, put this section towards a Nuno segment because, um, listen, a lot of the questions, we have over 100 into the show today. I would say over half of those were based on the manager. And I think mm. when you have that element of that amount of questions coming in, you have to have a debate about where we are with the manager. And um, I know, like I say, we've all got our opinions on him. But, um, George, like I said, the whole thing for me is that the lack of fight with the no sense of urgency, even when we went 1-0 down. You know, it, it feels at the moment that there's way too many players 
prepared to drop that kind of substandard performance and they're getting away with it. And there's nobody pulling them up on this. I mean, how worrying is that? You know, we do say a lot of it's towards the manager. And again, we're going to cover this with Nuno. But from a player's perspective, it almost feels like they can get away with that, knowing they're going to be back in the eleven next week. Yeah, it's, um, it's a strange one because obviously when we brought in the players like Hoiberg and Co, like they're supposed to be the sort of leaders and the, the captain-like players that are supposed to pick people up. And you, you do see it fairly often from him in particular. But again, you're right. There's just no... I feel like a lot of them know that their their position is not under threat at all because, I mean, we saw what our second team players did on, on, on the weekday and it was pathetic. Like none of them were close to getting anywhere near the first team after that display. So I feel like a lot of the first team players have that room. To, well, they just feel comfortable, so so that they they get away. With, okay, I might have a bad game today, but I know for a fact I'm starting next week, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so again, but I don't know if that's again maybe it is a question towards the manager to get them in the right mentality to be able to to come out fighting every game because I'm not really seeing it at the moment. To be honest, we're eight games in, and I haven't seen any sort of really passion filed. Even the games that we won, they didn't seem really like. You didn't really see the players properly, properly fighting for each other in that game and picking each other up in my in those games. Sorry, yeah. Russ, the manager. You know, at the moment, many will pick up on the fact you know subs are coming far too late, and we know Kane was at fault for the goal, but many yeah. feel there's a bigger problem here. You know, the case at Spurs, we had zero shots in that second half, and it feels that the element at the moment is that we're not being coached. There doesn't seem to be an actual approach where you can say, you know what. That's the identity. There's a lack of structure. There's a lack of cohesiveness about Tottenham. And it, it feels like overall there's nothing. You know, when you consider, you know, in all four games, Spurs have lost those London derbies. We've come up against teams who look far more motivated. And that yeah. is the thing that I'm struggling to understand is the motivational aspect of that. And then when you put into the case also, there doesn't seem to be a tactical plan in place. It's very hard to forgive these kind of performances. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah, um, totally. But if... You know, the reality is if Tottenham want to be an elite football club, and we all want as fans for it to be an elite football club, to play the Liverpools and Chelsea's and the Manchester City's and actually compete against them and compete for silverware, if the club want that, and that's it called into question, of course, by an awful lot of people, you wouldn't have Nuno Espirito Santo as your manager. With the greatest of respect to him, he's not up to the job. I mean, when he, when he first came to Wolves, he played some attractive football. They were easy on the eye. The vast majority of the players were Portuguese, as we know. They came from the same football culture. He's walked into a, a fractious dressing room, no doubt about it. He's seventh or eighth choice. That can't make you feel great. He's not a great communicator. He errs on the side of being grumpy. I see no passion on the touchline. And you do have to wonder, Ricky, you're absolutely right. What on earth goes on in that dressing room? Well, I, I think I can tell you, not a lot. Yeah. You know what, Frank? And like I say, when you look at it as a whole, Spurs have now lost to Arsenal, Palace, Chelsea, West Ham. And, you know, the, the concern is that's four London derbies, three of them against our big rivals, 10-1, 10-1 on aggregate. 10 goals, 10 goals conceded, one goal scored in the aspect of those games. Does he have to go, Frank, in your opinion now? Is it untenable, this position for him? I, I mean, we've, we, 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 it's so early into the season, I can't even get my words out because we're in a position where I don't rank Nuno as a manager. I didn't want him at Tottenham. I didn't think he was a right fit, but I was willing to give him time. From what I've seen so far, it doesn't seem like he can get these players up for it. Um, if you can't self-motivate anyway for a, for a London derby, 
then you should be playing for a club like Spurs. But if he can't motivate the players for London derbies, which it seems like he can't, West Ham and, and Chelsea and Arsenal, massive rivals. They're our three biggest rivals in London. And they've, they've all beaten us. And we've been limp and, and pretty pathetic in, in parts of those games, in most parts of those games. So if, if he goes, um, who do we get in? Who, who would come to Spurs? Who would work under this board? Um, I mean, he's another manager, by the way, who's been left with not enough options, in my opinion. He's not got a striker to bring off bring off, bring off the bench and, and get us goals. So no matter how good a manager you are, if you've got one senior striker and it's not working with that striker on the pitch, yeah, it's, it's who do you turn to? It, it's who criminal. do you turn to? Yeah. And, yeah. and this board have done it year after year after year. They've, they've messed up every football decision they possibly could have from not signing anyone for 18 months, from two stadium moves, which completely debilitated us when we were on the up. We had the unbeaten season at White Hart Lane. And we were competing for the league, not for top four, for league titles. And everything they've done since then has been an absolute shambles. Now, obviously, you can appreciate what they've done with the infrastructure of the club. Um, I, let, let's be totally honest here. That's been, they've put the club in debt. They haven't done it themselves out there. Uh, their own back pockets out the goodness of their hearts. They've done it to make profits from, from the future revenue from the football club. Um, they're businessmen and, and that's how they built the club and how they've structured things. But since then, it, they should have just sold the club when, when they completed the stadium or and made the profit that they, they, they so greatly want because we are going nowhere um, under Enic. It's just got worse and worse and worse. No credible manager wants to come to Spurs. What players now are going to want to come to Spurs? Um, Harry Kane visibly doesn't want to be there anymore. Let's be totally honest. I'll stick up for Kane every day of the week. He's one of my favourite all-time Spurs players. You can see his body language. He's mentally checked out at Tottenham. So at this moment in time, there's not a lot to be positive about. And if we're going to strip it all back, we can blame Nuno, we can blame the payers. It's the board. It's all on Enic. They had an opportunity to build on all of Pochettino's great work. We were an attraction. We had players like Bruno Fernandes agree in personal terms with this football club, the Abala. They wanted to come and play for Tottenham Hotspur. And we didn't strike whilst the iron was hot. And unfortunately, whilst we, we've regressed and we, 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 we didn't kick on and we didn't want to pay the extra money, we are now in such a mess, it's going to cost far much more money than it would have cost just to pay the extra for those types of players to get us out of this mess. Um, and I just don't think the board have got it in them to, to, to make the right decisions on a football level to get us back to, to the top four. I just don't think they have. Um, yeah. And I don't see how it gets better. Um, I don't. And with, with Daniel Levy in charge, I know Joe Lewis is the big boss. He's the man, realistically, who controls everything. It's his money at the end of the day. He's the, he's the real owner. But Daniel Levy is in charge of the football decisions, and it, it doesn't make any good football decisions. So what's the way out of this mess? I don't know. Is Nuno the man for the job? No, he isn't. Personally, if we could convince him, because I think it is a step up, and, and obviously the Premier League is a huge attraction, I'd try and lobby Ten Hag Ajax. Um, they've absolutely destroyed their rivals PSV today. Um, I like the, the football he plays. He's got Hilaire as the top scorer in the Champions League this season. And you saw what Hilaire was like in the Premier League, not the greatest of players. So you can see it does improve players. And if we are going to be, if we don't want to drift too far behind, and if I was looking at this from a board point of view, I mean, they know more what goes on in the training ground than I do. And, and they see behind the scenes stuff. But we can all see the body language of Nuno Russell. Yeah, totally exactly. right. yeah. Stands on the sideline. And he's not the most inspiring, is he? He looks grumpy. He actually looks like he doesn't want to be there at times. But Chelsea done it with Frank Lampard. Other clubs have acted quickly and early into a season when they see things aren't going wrong. It's not going to cost a lot to get rid of Nuno. If it was up to me, I don't want to be one of them 
um, fans that goes too early or anything like that, I would yeah. get rid of him and I'd go for Ten Hag. That's my personal yeah. opinion. Before the season becomes a write-off or a total write-off. Yeah, I mean, I say, you know what, come over to you, George. And this is the thing, as a podcast, yes. I try and always repeat this. You know, we are, I'd like to think on our on our squad we've got, I want to say we're quite rational. And, you know, we are willing and always, you know, there to give things time, to see things, how they progress. But ultimately, I think the hard thing is when you see things aren't working and you can see a manager that, in my opinion, when I'm looking at it, for me, he looks like he's out of his depth. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have said this before, I really, really wanted this to work, you know, Mourinho has always been quite a hard character to warm to, but you know, with that trophy record he's got, everybody I'm sure would yeah, have definitely. wanted to see if it could work. With Nuno, it feels like we've actually employed a guy that has played very similar tactics to Mourinho, but he hasn't got the trophy list, and I, I haven't got any confidence to see where it's going to get better. I mean, we got a statement here from Nathan Evans who says, "What was the tragedy? Where was the game plan, Nuno? I'd rather take Big Sam than Nuno right now." And to be fair, where Spurs are going at the moment. Um, you may worry that, you know, Spurs could be um, throwing down that league. But, you know, whilst the season like Frank's is there, it's still in its prime. Spurs are in all competitions. They're not too far off, you know, what I would say the Champions League places, even though I know Spurs at the moment. So even be thinking of the Champions League, what am I doing, Ricky? I'm out of my mind even talking like that. But, um, George, would you look to make a change now whilst we have got Spurs still um, available in all cup competitions and the season is still at this point very, very um, early? The the problem is right. I, I like I, I was like you saying earlier. I try to be as like positive as possible as well, and I'm always willing to give like a manager a season or this this that and the other. But usually I kind of see a plan there. And you're right with Mourinho. I was willing to give him the time of the time of day all day long because you'd hopefully get a trophy at the end of it and get a new manager maybe the, the following year. We didn't get a chance to see if he could do it or not because he got sacked six days before a final, which was a complete joke, by the way. I don't care who the manager is. You cannot sack someone six days before a final. That's never going to work out. Um, and then at least with, okay, Pochettino, when he first came to Spurs, his run was terrible at the beginning. And in fact, he was like one game away from getting sacked and he managed to save himself. But you could see a plan and an identity and a style of play that he wants to implement. He wants to hold possession. He wants to press quite high, press hard. And it was enjoyable to watch um, at times. Whereas at the moment with Nuno, I, I say this pretty much every match day now in my videos, I don't see a plan at all. It's not like we're trying to go out wide and hit in early crosses. We're not even trying to use the wings and the pace we've got to go to the byline and cut back. We're not trying to crowd the middle and go forward. Every single game, all I'm seeing is every player holds on to the ball for about five seconds, waits for a three-yard pass, and then moves on to the next player. And it keeps happening again and again and again. And I just don't see a plan at the moment with Nuno. Previous managers, you could. You could at least see what they were going to do. They had a philosophy. I don't see anything. I honestly don't see anything with Nuno right now. And it, it, I, I never want to jump the gun too early because of like, the whole situation with Pochettino. I didn't like Pochettino at the beginning because the results were terrible. But then look what's happened. You end up being yep. like one of our best managers ever. Yep. But I don't know, man. It just doesn't... There's, something just doesn't feel right at all with Nuno as a manager at the moment. Yeah, there's, there's definitely not that connection there. And even when he did win the first three games and I was trying to be very buoyant and I know we, we did the opening show against Man City and we were yeah. obviously delighted by the three points. I think on that day, as we saw, they're almost coming together from that hurricane situation really did drive up the fans. But um, Russ, coming over to you, Spurs, you know, seventh and shot against West Ham today came in the 43rd minute. Yeah. It's the third time this season that they have failed to shoot during a second half. Mm. No, it's the old age stat, isn't it? If you're not, if you're not going to shoot... You're not going yeah. to score. Yeah. I mean, is there any way forward for you under this current manager, Russ? Um, do, you, do you see anything that kind of well, hold on to that gives yeah. you any hope? 
as we, you know, as the great Jimmy Greaves famously said, football's a funny old game. You never know what's going to happen. But the chances are, and I must admit, I, I agree with Frank, Ten Hag would play Tottenham football um, and how as well. Um, but, you know, he'd probably be mad to come to Spurs now, Ten Hag, wouldn't he? Really, if we're honest. Um, I think for Nuno, thinking about it, he was because the club were panicked, nobody wanted to come. My view is if they were serious and Joe Lewis wanted to give one, uh, you know, 150 million of his three billion pound fortune because he loves Spurs and he wants to make this new stadium not an empty house full of charity shop furniture, but the best furniture you can buy, he'd have got Conte, right? Whatever we think about Conte, he's a winner. Okay, but they chose not to do that. Absolutely. They tried to get Mr. Blah, 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 five, six, seven managers. And in the end, we got really, in my view, a football sticking plaster over this big pipe that is Tottenham Hotspur. And the water was piling out of it. And there's Nuno. And hey, it worked for three games. But now we all know that it probably isn't going to work out for what it's worth. My opinion is, if he makes it through the November international break, I'll be quite surprised as it stands right now. He should be in a situation where he's playing great football with some really good footballers at our football club, where this coming Saturday, he's the one standing in the dressing room and go, lads, it's only Man United. Yeah. But, you know, it's a huge game, that game, isn't it, at the weekend? It is but a massive game for both clubs I, now. I don't yeah. think he'll last. I do. I personally don't mm. think he'll last. I've got no ill feeling towards him. He seems a yeah. nice enough sort of guy. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just agree with Frank and George. The, the fit isn't right yeah. for some reason. For, for me, I think he just feels like a filler for Pochettino. Like, the contracts end at the same time, mm. and it's just... Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. You're right. If we've got Manu next, and then Everton, if both of those games go south, then... I, it's already what, big danger zone. I, I think, you know, George, coming to that, when you say that, I think the Burnley game is huge for the club. You know, this is a competition where you look at what Spurs can possibly win. Everyone would bat the club they were to win the Europa Conference League. Uh, we're not going to win the yep. Premier League, uh, sad to say. I think we can maybe rule that one out just for now. And, unless Spurs <laughs> got an incredible run, um, I think the Premier League might be beyond us. Uh, that's sarcasm there, just to Definitely. be clear. Um, and then, like I say, you look at the FA Cup and the League Cup. Well, those are two competitions that really, for Spurs... That's really what they should be aiming for, to like I say, get that trophy on board. Um, like I said, we had over 100 questions come into the last one on Spurs. So um, I'm going to rattle through just a flavour of some of these that we had in. Uh, Gareth McCarter says, have you ever seen a less interested looking team in four London derbies? Ryan Smith says, once again, Nuno gets it wrong. Kane looking like he's ready for a trick or treat and nowhere to be seen. Look, Lucas looking like a headless chicken. January cannot come quick enough. We need a second striker and creative midfielder. Steve Bunyan says, Nuno is too negative. No shots in the second half. is completely unacceptable with Kane, Son and Mora on the pitch. Too many, as Frank said earlier, backward sideways passing. No one running off the ball, breaking the lines. It's dire and they had a week off. That's a great point he makes there. Darren Kay said, as I said last week, I am really doubtful in terms of Nuno's in-game management. He reacted very slowly, substituting players in the same positions. The formation didn't change too much. Lack of alternative ideas. Needs to be proactive and estimate well during the in-game. And again, it's hard to disagree with that. Nick Flanagan here says, what is our game plan? No urgency, no change up. When we thought Kane wasn't interested anymore, here we go again. I'm not sure Nuno is the man for the job. Andrea says, surely Nuno's plan going forward isn't everybody in front of the ball to walk around or stand still. Kit going narrow in the middle for the 93 minutes. A better plan and we could have actually won this game. David Williams says, 
Are the current players not capable of playing a higher tempo game? Is this why our style is slow, stodgy, struggling to see any direction or intent on the field? Just on that point, Russ, coming over to you. In terms of the way the players are approaching these games, does that all come down to Nuno? Or do you think in a way, because had Mourinho as the previous manager, it does take some time in order to actually implement a philosophy? I think a lot of them are playing with a hangover from Mourinho because the football that we watched, uh, particularly towards the end of his tenure, wasn't particularly great. I mean, it was boring, wasn't it? I mean, it was boring the pants off people. I mean, I have to say, I agreed with nearly every comment that was that was made there because these, you know, the people that are watching this and listening to the last word on Spurs love their football club and, and they know what we should be. Um, you You need... A strong person. There's a debate going on, isn't there, right now about whether Solskjaer is the right man for Manchester United. He's in charge in arguably the biggest club in the world. We want to be in that group. We flirted with it. I just don't see Nuno and his tactics and his methods and a lot of these players being capable of doing that. Yes, they were good, but they're older now, three, four years older. The pace isn't quite there anymore. And then there is the question of Harry Kane. And for me personally, incidentally, with Harry Kane, we should have a statue of him outside the ground now if he never kicks another ball for Spurs. He's been that good. But, you know, when you get somebody as a family member being your agent and you're negotiating with Daniel Levy and a, an experienced agent would have said, we want a break clause here if a bid comes in and they would have got that for him, right? But his brother didn't do that. That's why Harry's in a pickle now because he didn't have that. And, you know, I tend to agree that he has the demeanour of somebody who uh, is either really, really, really peed off yep. uh, uh, or he genuinely, and I think he's a hell of a pro and a brilliant player, he just doesn't want to be at the club anymore. He feels that the gentleman's agreement that apparently he had, or his brother said that he had, which incidentally are not worth the paper they're not written on, he, he feels let down. And it's a major problem when you've got a talent like that who needs to score 20-plus goals for us. I know he scored a few this season, but only one in the Premier League. And it's once again, we come back to it's a mess. On the pitch, off the pitch, it's just a mess. Stick to the football. The NFL, gigs, don't care about it. We're a football yep. club. That's how they'll pay off their debt. And, if, and incidentally, Enoch paid 20 one twenty-two million, I think, for our football club. Well, yep. if they sold it tomorrow, they clear the debt and still do rather nicely. Thank you. So, yeah, no, very hard to hear what you're saying there, Russ. And a lot of people, uh, I say, in agreement with you in the comments there. And um, George, just for fair balance on the show, like I say, we always like to try and provide two two sides of the story. Um, there's a comment on there from uh, Good Beats Ents who says, "Think we are expecting miracles? No, 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 no." Nuna, 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 Nuno, going nowhere soon. Could be Nana by then. This show, I tell you. Um, <laughs> today's game, we dominated. Considered the goal from a set piece, dominated West Ham. We had chances, but final pass not there. Um, is that fair, George? Can you understand where some fans may have felt today? We dominated that game and deserved more than um, the one 0 defeat. I can't lie to you. I was there, and I did not feel like we dominated them at all. I, I feel like it's yeah, we may have had more possession at times, but again, we were going nowhere with it. It wasn't like. It's not the way City do it or Liverpool do it, where they have the possession and they're they're gunning forward every time or they're creating so many threats. It was just a case of, yeah, okay, we probably should have done a lot better in some of our chances. We did have a good couple of chances, but in, in no way at all did I feel like we dominated them. I think a draw probably would have been a fairer result. I think both teams played pretty similarly. We just had a couple more chances than they did. 
Um, but yeah, well, just on what Ross said, like I, I agree with most of it, but the thing is, I don't mind any of the NFL stuff and things like that as long as I know for a fact, like I know that the 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 money that we're making from that is getting implemented back into the football team because at the end of the day, it's all well and good having this amazing stadium, or whatever. But if the football team's not succeeding, we're not going to grow anywhere. So I, I'm just hoping, and obviously the money's never going to come in straight away. It's just not how it works. I'm just hoping we do start being able to see the benefits of this. But the the football, you're right, has to be the main focus and if we're making so much money off of all these events and whatever then we've got to start seeing that in better players and better managers at the club totally agree um after the game uh i mean the post-match comments from nuno uh, again i mean make your mind up on what he says here um on the case of no second half shots he said west Ham defended the box we have a lot of men we should have moved the ball faster always difficult when there are a lot of men behind the ball difficult to find the spaces and the gaps on his lack of substitution he says the boys were playing good then we made the changes. He was asked if there was any positives at all. He said, not too many. But when you lose a game like today, I believe that we were the better team. The only positive is that our aspects to improve will guide us to winning more football matches. Frank, um, question in here. Uh, this is from Dan at Dan Bookie TV. He says, do you think that Nuno has the skill set to make any of our players better? I've seen progression in Skip and Dyer. But as for everybody else, they look demotivated and clueless on the pitch. How can we trust a 10th choice manager to pave the way for the likes of Scarlet, Divine, etc.? Thoughts on that? Well, again, I'm not too confident in Nuno. And I hate to be totally negative, but I can't. I can't see him improving his team or his squad. Um, you could argue that he probably needs a few more of his own players um, to implement his playing style. But it's all just very strange, Rick, how everything's set up. I mean, those comments, by the way... Are we forgetting that Salchek had the best chance of the game with that header? That was an absolute yeah. sitter prior to the goal. And we yeah. didn't have a shot on target. In the, we didn't have a shot in the second half. So, yeah. OK, we had a pretty steady first half. But we did dominate the game and deserve to win. As George said, a, a draw probably would have been a fair reflection. But the, the whole thing is a bit of a mess to me because it was obvious and it's public knowledge that this was our seventh or sixth choice managerial target. This is a guy whose best success in English football has come from playing free at the black back. He's now coming to a club where he's tried to play 4-3-3. He's now playing 4-2-3-1, which I think suits the players he's got. But this isn't Nuno's style. This isn't what you would call Nuno ball. He's a 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 manager. So the whole fit is just so uncomfortable from start to finish, from who he is, from the style of football he plays, to the style of football the, the fans want. Um, he'd done OK with some of the youngsters at, at Wolves. He brought through Neto, Dinim Podence and a couple of others there, Max Kilman, But... I, I don't trust Nuno to take this football club on to the next level. Um, again, it doesn't help that he's got one arm tied behind his back. The fact that they've left him with one senior striker. I know I keep going on about it, but I cannot get over it. Um, we go back to, obviously, the stadium and the revenue that it generates and hopefully that goes back into the team. Can we trust that to, to happen? And, and if we do spend the money, will it go to, in, into the right players? Because it hasn't. Um, really, until we got Paratici in. Um, that's yet to be seen, but we misspent a lot of money a, a couple of years ago. Um, and I just can't fathom. I mean, these guys are businessmen that own our football club. Joe Lewis has got, he's a financial guy. He's a, he's a trader by trade, a spread bar. Um, he's got all these investments and his property investments. Surely it's logic that when your business is, is slowing down, like ours is, or, or underperforming, he could give the club a, a business loan of £150 million, or he could have in the summer. Um, we could have used that to buy the... We need another winger who, who adds goals and assists. We need another holding midfielder because if anything happens to, to Hoiberg or Skip, we're in big trouble. We needed another striker. Um, there are positions that we need filling. Why could Joe Lewis not loan the club money 
and then he, he can get it back. He's in charge of the club. There's no way if the revenue and that the infrastructure of the club is going to generate this revenue that we keep being told it's going to generate, there's no way he's not going to get that money back. So where's the ambition? Because he's got the, he's got the ability to get that money and spend it on these players, but he just has refused to for whatever reason. So what does that show us when you're refusing to do that, you're appointing your seventh choice manager, that the whole fit at the moment around this club is just an absolute mess. And as um, Russ rightly said as well, when your star man clearly wanted to leave and looks like he doesn't want to be there, Put, put all these variables together and it, it's a bit of a mess at the moment, Rick. So to answer your original question, again, I, I hate to be negative. I don't think Nuno's the man for this football club. I, I can't yeah. see him taking us up to the next level. Yeah, I've actually got a question to ask Russ um, in terms of the ball. Before I do, um, you know, Tim Man on the screen there says a question that we're all trying to work out. Guys, why have you not replaced Ericsson? This team has zero creativity. Right. For me, this should have been a priority along the strike. I think we can all probably say our men to that. We all agree, you know, Spurs in that transfer window. Uh, to not have gone out and got an alternative striker yeah. and to have, again, not looked at trying to bring in a creative midfielder. You know, that's the ultimate downfall. And it depends how many points are going to cost Spurs between now and January, even if we do get to January and do actually do that, which, again, who knows? But, um, Russ, uh, this is the question I wanted to ask you. It's coming from John Omar Gunnison, who says, it's hard to be patient with this squad. They have their moments, and for a short period, we think we're progressing in the right direction. But then we get games like today. Do you see any signs of improvement and do you see any sense of direction under the current board? No, not really. I mean, Oliver Skip, I watched him play today. He's coming on. He's, de you know, as Frank said, he's definitely improved. But last season he was playing in the championship. Yes, he got promotion, but his mates are getting battered every week. So, you know, he's he's not that good, but could get a lot better. We need surgery, in my opinion, to our playing staff. Uh, that A, costs a lot of money, then it comes down to the owners, as Frank was saying, you know, is there a willingness to give, um, you know, the club money by way of a loan maybe, or maybe even a, a charitable donation from Joe? Probably not. Um, and, we, you know, frankly, we need to ship a few out to get some money in. Uh, you know, in my opinion, I think Doherty should go. I think Deli Alley is done at Spurs. Uh I worried at the time when he had a clothing range before he'd done anything in the game. I've been proved right. I think he needs a fresh place to go. Sorry, Deli Alley fans, but we all have our opinions. I think uh, Davidson Sanchez, it's questionable whether he's going to ever do anything good for us. You know, the Harry Winks, you know, local lad. We, we loved him when he came through. I don't think he's going to make it at Tottenham for whatever reason. And these players should... For their own good, be moving on, all right? I'm not saying sack them, kick them out of the club, but we need to get some fresh blood in, as the boys have been saying. And I totally agree with the person who said, we need a creative midfielder. We need a locksmith. Ericsson wasn't the best locksmith, but yeah. he was pretty good. To play that ball to Harry Kane, to Son, to anybody else in the team when we're playing quick, good passing football, just to see what other people don't see. We need somebody like that. I've said it for four seasons, really. <laughs> I, I would have replaced Ericsson. So that's how mad I am with yeah. somebody who could really do it. But I think no. we need him not. Yeah, I mean, just on the ball there, you know, Crackers, obviously, uh, part of the part of our panel on the last one on Spurs is, does the money earned from the events even get put back into the football team or used to serve as a debt in it, loaded against the club? Again, massively questionable. Um, just in terms this of... Is what, just, sorry, just to interrupt. Yeah, this is what I said. This is what yeah. I just said. 
Yeah. Um, can we trust this board to put the 100% of the revenue generated or the profit generated from these events into the playing squad? And the answer is no, I, I don't. I don't know if I speak for everybody, but I don't trust them to do that. Like I say, I think at the moment, you know, Frank, by the, where we are as a football club and the well, the, where we're heading, it's very hard at the moment to be certain on anything to do with Tottenham. You know, from the playing squad to the board uh, to our actual recruitment model, you know, to our actual playing style. Where is this club ultimately going? Um, Nuno, like I said, after the game, um, he said, was he concerned by the nature of now losing four derbies and scoring just the one? He said, it's always frustrating. A London derby means that, you know, to our fans a lot, uh, we're not able to win it. I'm disappointed because it hurts them. And my God, it does hurt us indeed. Um, But we are going to go for our first break of the show. Taking you into this break, you are going to hear, um, if this doesn't change at all from our current Spurs head coach, for our listeners on audio, you're going to hear from Nuno Espirito Santo. And you're also going to hear from Harry Kane giving their thoughts on the back of today's defeat in the London derby to West Ham. And then I'd say after this break, we will be discussing some of the players' performances. It's a tough place to come away from home. Obviously, West Ham have been great now for the last season or so. They've been doing really well, so we knew it would be a tough game. Um, but like I said, we were pleased with how we were playing. And if anyone looked like scoring, it, it, it was us. But that's that's football, that's the Premier League. Sometimes it kicks you in the teeth and, and that's what happened today. So... Um, yeah, look, we have to learn from it, move on from it. Uh, we've got plenty of games coming up. Frustrating after a couple of wins as well, wasn't it, in the Premier League? Yeah, for sure. We wanted to keep that run going, keep that momentum going. Uh, obviously, a tough game next week against Man United in the Prem and then I think Everton after that. So mm-hmm. it was a spell for us where, um, yeah, if we won today, we could have really got on a, on a good run. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't our day, it wasn't our game. But like I said, we've just got to move on now. Yeah, I mean, tough game against United next week, but what better way to, to hit back, eh? Yeah, in front of our home fans, obviously a massive game on, on the Saturday. So, um, obviously, first and foremost, a cup game on Wednesday. Yeah, Burnley away is going to be a tough one. We want to go far in that competition. So, um, yeah, it's just about recovery now. Obviously, we assess the game over the week and uh, try and improve on it and, and get ready for the next one. All the game, all the game. I think we are better. We play, we play better than West Ham. We control the game. We had possession. Uh, first half, we had chances that we need to to be more accurate on on that. But all the game was under control. Just a, a moment of of a set piece that we lack a little bit of focus and be aggressive on that moment. And we can sit after that um, till the end of the game was trying, trying to to achieve to achieve the, a goal that gave us a, a better result. All the game, all the game, all the game, all the game. Honestly, the boys, uh, we prepared it. Uh, they did it. They did a good job. They did a good job. So, um, aspects that we have to improve is being aggressive on on the final serve, the final pass, be more accurate. We'll get there. How are they in the dressing room? Down, I guess. I'm disappointed, like everybody, like our fans, ourselves. We are disappointed. It's always. Uh, tough to lose a match like this. I've got to say, ironically, ahead of this game, George, coming over to you, uh, Spurs being Spurs, we rested the entire 11 uh, for a cup game in preparation for a league game and then go on to lose both. But um, to rub salt in the wounds even more, um, Vitesse, our uh, team in the week we played, they actually lost 2-1 today to a newly promoted team called Go Ahead Eagles. And, uh, you know, Brilliant. if you leave your entire team at home for a midweek game in Europe, they all know they're definitely starting. And again, the questionable as to whether that's going to be working and 
I just wonder, Jordan, you look at that lineup and the way we decided that decision to rest the 11 in the week to then play a new 11 at the weekend. Um, does that create in itself, George, almost zero desire, edge or competition in the squad? Is that a worry for you? If we're going to rest 11 players, fresh 11 coming in, you wonder from a competition perspective, do the players actually have that motivation that if they do make a mistake, they know they're going to be dropped? To be honest with you, I think for, for this week in particular, I didn't mind they didn't take any of the 11. I, I feel like it was, obviously in hindsight, you could say it wasn't, but I, I thought it was the right thing at the time because at the end of the day, even even though it didn't work out, obviously, in the end, the quality we've got in that the second team players is still enough to beat uh, Vitez on, on Thursday and they just didn't do it. And I thought, obviously, coming into West Ham, we, we've seen issues before of like, Romero not being able to play the whole game and Dombele not being able to play a whole game before because, uh, who else is it? Um, Bergvine coming back from injuries and all this, that and the other. I thought resting them wasn't a bad thing. The problem is, from resting them, you'd expect them to come out today with a lot of fight, with a lot of energy. Um, and then for the second team players I played on Thursday, they've got to think, all right, well, I need to prove myself on the Thursday have a worldie of a game, score three goals, do whatever to prove that you should be selected for the weekend or for the coming weeks. And again, didn't really see that from the the second team players. Um, and I, I feel like after today, players like Lacelso probably have more of a chance of playing Tanganga over Emerson's probably in, in, another shout as well. But again, coming back to what Frank said earlier, the fact that we haven't got a second striker and we're relying on a 17-year-old to be our backup is a joke because when Kane isn't playing well well he's just guaranteed to start every week because we don't have that that other option like we're not going to play sun up top instead of kane that's just not going to happen um and i feel like we we missed the trick with dushan glavich from fiorentina i think it was who is now not agreeing to sign a new contract so i think he's got to be a priority target in january to try and bring in i suppose i've watched this george recently no, no, I, I've been saying it since the summer and I agreed with the whole Ten Hag stuff before. I thought he was the perfect manager. I was, I was every day on Twitter, I was like, get Ten Hag in now. He, like, it's, it fits perfectly He's, and everything. But I don't know. I, I'm really just not seeing the, the desire from any of them right now. There's maybe a handful of, not even a handful, maybe a couple of players. Like I think Romero and Skip today probably showed a little bit of fight. But again, the rest of them just it didn't look like they cared, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, Frank, let's come over to you. Um, as expected, that 11 were left at home midweek and started again. Absolutely no place on the bench for Harry Weeks after his heartfelt interview in Arnhem. And I think I say with Harry Weeks, I think we all probably are in agreement now that for his own benefit of his career, probably is time to move on. Um, but was you surprised by, by that 11, Frank? Is that what you roughly expecting? Bearing in mind, we knew Luno left that 11 behind to train with Ian Cafro, his assistant manager, who, of course, has just given birth to a little one. Um, any surprise at all, Frank, ahead of the game? I, I, I agree with George. I don't think it was a bad thing um, doing what he'd done to give them a week to prepare because it was a big game. You know, win and go fourth, which West Ham have done today. And I did feel, although throwing 11 players together that have never played together before, uh, which they hadn't on Thursday, it's always going to be a bit disjointed, but I did feel that there was enough quality to beat a team like the Tess who are nowhere near a top-level Dutch side. And, and what tier is the Dutch league in Europe? Is it 7th or 8th, but strongest league? You'd think that that side would have had enough quality to get a result, or at least a point. Um, but it didn't, and obviously it didn't work out. And in true Spurs fashion, we ended up losing both games, um, which is just typical Spursy, really. But 
I didn't disagree with what Nuno done. I felt that, again, it was probably a good idea to, to give them a week to work on shape and, and whatever. But North London, not North London derbies, all London derbies, they're not just about quality. They're about passion and effort and desire. Um, they are. And, and, and a lot of games are tight, you know, one-alls, two-ones, or, or when we're not involved anyway. But you, you get a lot of these caging tight games, which it was today for a long period of time. And unfortunately, we didn't show enough of that. We didn't show enough character, desire, hunger. Um, not not enough of, of the players did on the pitch today. And that is the most damning and alarming thing. Um, obviously, passages of play, putting a team together, that's the hard part of coaching and football. You know, putting a unit together to gel and playing the philosophy of the, the, the manager and what they want. But putting effort in, I think we gave away four fouls all game. Is that right? Is that what I read? Yeah, I think you're right. In, in, a, in a derby right. against in West Ham, you should be, yep. I'm not saying be cynical, but you should be clattering people. And George is yep. right. The only one that had let a bit of that devil. Let him know you're there. Let him know you're there. A bit of devil in them today was Romero. Mm. And he's been at the club five minutes. And I don't think he deserved to be booked for that incident. Was it Was it Lanzini or Ben Rama who was on the floor? Or for now, possibly. I can't remember. For now, yeah. But, for now, yeah. Yeah, where he told him to get up. That it wasn't yeah, a booking, now, by the way. But I don't no. mind that bit of devil in these of big games. Not. And, yeah. and we want more of that. You, we want you, more of that. You make yourself hard to play against when you're a bit yeah. spiteful and you're solid and you're strong. And we didn't see that aggression today. We didn't see that solidarity. We didn't see mm. any of that. And that is the most alarming thing for me. And we've been here so many times before with the crux of this squad. Yeah. So we've just got to hope that Paratici knows what he's doing. Uh, we continue to, to with this rebuild that we've tried in the summer. We, we do more of the same. As Russ said, there are a few players that need to go. We all know who needs to go. Let's be totally honest. The five yep. or six that need to be moved on. Every single fan knows now. And we yep. just need to, to hope that we can trust this guy to get quality in um, and improve the squad and, and, yep. and, and, and get the right characters in, Rick. That's massive because we haven't got enough of them in the squad at the moment. We need leaders to and characters. Totally agree. I mean, how many years, Frank, have we sat and said about leaders and characters? I, mean, I just feel like, you know, we just, we're in the same cycle of talking about that. Uh, Richie says there, we're going to chat about the possible penalty. Yes, we are. Russ, let's come around to you because yeah. Tunyon Numbele wanted a penalty early on following Kurt Zuma's challenge on him, but it wasn't given. Um, yeah. You know, on the yard, I'll be honest with you, at the time for me, it could have been a pen. I was surprised it going to VAR. Yeah. We yeah. didn't get it, but um, thoughts on that and overall in Dombele's performance where for him um, on the day, you know, I thought he pressed again, you know, he was creating chance in that final third. Passing wasn't really enough to help Spurs get going. Um, what did you make of it overall? Should we have had a penalty in Dombele's performance for you? Well, I'm, I'm a Spurs fan. It was a penalty, wasn't it? But, you know. <laughs> We're all going to say uh, that, especially in the derby yeah. at the moment. Mm. Um, uh, Jema I mean, Jermaine Defoe said on the TV coverage at half time, he said, I've seen him given, you know, it's an old cliche, but he would know uh, playing in the position that he plays in and played for us, obviously. Um, I, I think it could have been given, but it wasn't. And so we just got to get over it. On to Ndombele. Um, I mean, what an enigma this man is. He, you know, unbelievable brilliance. Yeah. Yeah. He, to me, he looks really tired when he plays. And he can't be. He's got to be fit. And I think he's had a few issues, you know, back in the summer. We were chatting before we came on that maybe he wanted to move away from the club. That seems to have been settled. But we all know that in there, there is a magnificent footballer. Um, is he a man who can take control of our midfield and play the balls that we were talking about earlier? Well, you know, the jury is out, but it's nearly uh, going home. Uh, because he's got to start doing it soon. But I, yeah. I, I love watching the, you know, the little outrageous things that he does. Mm. But um, we do. I think he needs more end product. Yeah. Yep. 
Only been sad, we've only been sad for the last two and a half seasons. I mean, he's a wonderful player. If he could do 90 minutes, I know Frank, uh, George, we've been here before about this subject. It'd be lovely. Um, I do want to pick up on one player, uh, George, you brought up earlier, Christian Romero. Up against today, the power of Antonio. Yes. Defended really well against the Hammers frontman at times, although he was outmuscled on a couple of the occasions. Um, yeah. He went on another one of his marading runs in that second half, but his teammates couldn't finish things off in the box. Um, ultimately, I think another decent shift for him on a real testing day. Um, thoughts on Romero? Do we just need to find him? I keep saying this, George, for me. I, I say it every week at the moment. I think we need to find that centre-back to pair alongside him. Yes, like we 100%. had, you know, Alderweireld and Vertonghen. We haven't quite got that player yet. And, you know, I keep saying Joe Roden, who's on the bench, he must be looking at this thinking, when am I going to get a chance? And I'm not saying Joe Roden's the next forthcoming, uh, you know, king of a chat of a centre-back for us. But I just think at the moment, um, the romero dire partnership to me doesn't look like it's got a natural leader in there that they both know what their jobs are it just doesn't feel for me accomplished yet the way out of and Vertonghen they knew their partnership they knew what their strengths were they knew what their weaknesses were do you want to see that with Romero oh 100% and to be yeah like like you said I think he's he, he did well again today given the circumstances and like he, he's a player that excites me like well he voted Syria defender of the defender of the season last year um, unbelievable player, still quite young as well. Um, and you're right, I was, I was shocked that we didn't get... We, we, like, we all knew we needed to get two centre-backs in because look at last season, we know for a fact that Dyer and Sanchez just aren't it. They may afford us a little bit in the first three games getting the clean sheets and whatever, but look, the reality is Dyer isn't even a centre-back. He's a defensive midfielder that's kind of lost his legs and Sanchez just isn't good enough. And I feel like Romero is, is a very uh, aggressive center back and if you like when you analyze his game and stuff he's, he's obviously on the right hand side he tends to push forward and gets on the back of players a lot so for me i feel like we need to get a, a sort of commanding left-footed center back to play alongside him that's sort of six back a little bit more i think like obviously we're not going to get him but a, a laporte type player i think would be the sort of perfect fit to go alongside him because like you said the vertongan and aldevard had just that perfect balance of being able to play in that two in the middle and we're just missing that. I think Romero is a great player. I'm definitely excited to see how he does for me. And um, yeah, just on the thing about Roden, I just don't, I don't understand. I mean, he, he starts for Wales every single time. Okay, he plays the odd Conference League game or Cup game for us. I think for the most part, normally looks quite good, yet never, ever gets a shout for the for the first team at all. Um, with especially how poor our defence can be at times. I don't understand why he hasn't been tested there, maybe alongside Romero. Maybe there's stuff we're not seeing. Maybe he's not applying enough in training. Who knows? But I think for me, yeah, alongside getting maybe like another striker, I think again in January, we, we need we need another top quality centre-back alongside Romero because we, we can't be carrying on another full season trying to rely on Dyers and Sanchez's and, and yeah. whatnot. We just can't do it. We've seen, haven't we? We've just seen it seem not good enough. Uh, Frank, we've got a question that came in here to the show. Um, this is from Alfonso Frias, who says, were you guys as annoyed as I was watching Romero going above and beyond while being one of the few guys running forward in that second half from his centre-back spot? Meanwhile, all the Spurs' midfield play was very much pedestrian sideways passing. I know we've said that a lot, a lot this season. Frank, are you are you feeling for Romero at the moment? I mean, he's come from a side at Atalanta. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of him. I told you, didn't I? When I came on his show earlier in the season, I said he's going to be a top player for us. Mm. And I saw a few comments on Twitter, and I think Spurs Twitter could be a strange place at times, extremely over-negative, over saying that he's being, being very kind. By, you're being very kind there, Frank. But, but he's being bullied by Antonio. There were two occasions. Once where the only thing he's got to cut out is he does come for every duel. 
And I think he's got to learn where to, when to stand off at times and, and when not to come and when to come. But um, there was only two, one occasion where it was a shoulder to shoulder in the first half. And Antonio does that to 99% of the defenders he comes up against. He's, he's, he's built incredibly. Um, he's, he's a powerful unit, but he's been, he was brilliant today, Romero, in my opinion. Um, he's got fight. He's got that Argentinian passion that those centre-backs seem to have, don't they? They seem to have that, as I said earlier, that bit devil in them. Um, and he's committed. And I think if, if we had more players like that, with that spirit and that desire, we probably wouldn't have been beaten today. But yeah, it was frustrating because you had Hoiberg and Skip. And I, I didn't think Skip done bad today as well. I thought he played well, Oliver yeah. Skip. And I, I do yeah. like Oliver Skip. But they were literally sitting on top of our two centre-backs. We had the full-backs pushed high and wide and then everyone else was narrow. And I think at times, Romero was just getting frustrated because when gaps opened up, uh, the two midfielders, I know we play with two sort of pivots, really. I know Hoiberg sort of gets on a bit, but Skip sits. But they were reluctant to, to ball carry and, and utilise them spaces and, and go on maybe a little mazy run every now and again. And he just took it into his own hands. And I think it was frustrating to see he had to do that as a centre-back. And we've got three men in midfield who were reluctant to do that today. Um mm -hmm. And, and that's an issue. And like George said, in an ideal world, yeah, we do need another centre-back. But we also, as I said, we need another holding midfielder. We need a creative midfielder. We need a winger. And we need a striker. We are literally five or six players off. But we are. We are. But, uh, but that's what we need. If I, I'm saying it depends on where we want to be as a football club. If we want to try yeah. and break into that monopoly again of the top four, mm. uh, where Manchester United are miles off it at the moment, that's what should have been addressed. I know you can't do it all in one window, but that's what yeah. needs to happen now over the next two windows. Yeah. You, you bring United up there. Uh, Sean Howe on the screen says, uh, prediction, Conte in opposition dugout next week, Mason and Howe in ours the following week. Do you know what with Spurs? Uh, nothing would quite surprise me at all. No, nothing would. Um, but Russ, steering the show back around to you. Yeah. I think it's time to talk about Harry Kane. Uh, Harry Kane, you know, the enigma of Kane, the situation around Kane doesn't go away. Um, of course, for the West Ham goal today, Antonio stuck out a leg in front of Kane to poke West Ham in the head in front of a corner. Just wasn't good from Kane overall. Didn't move. He looked off the pace in general today in every aspect of the game. Russ, where are you in Harry Kane? You know, you said earlier that, you know, if it was you, there'd be a statue of him outside yeah, the football club. The wood. The wood. Has that affected or tarnished his reputation over the summer? And, you know, where do you ultimately see the rest of his Spurs career heading as we stand with Harry Kane? Well, I mean, you know, if any of us go, in, uh, go into work and we've had a meeting with the boss uh, and we've got an agreement with the boss that you, if something happens, you can do that and I won't stand in your way and then it completely goes the other way, you feel betrayed, don't you? Um, and you feel disappointed. Um, I think with Harry Kane, uh, the whole situation was... Um, with Manchester City, they didn't want to pay 160 million quid. Uh, they just didn't think that Harry Kane was worth that. Now, the goals we know are so vital and he's brilliant at them when he's on his game. But uh, he also is susceptible to ankle injuries, as we know. So, you know, teams shedding out that kind of money, I think, are looking at all aspects of it. For some reason, Guardiola didn't want to do it. They spent 100 million on Jack Grealish. And Harry stayed at the club. Nobody else came in for him, by the way, did they? Nobody. No. You know, that's interesting. Now, I know post-COVID, it's very difficult for football clubs to spend the sort of telephone numbers that they were spending before. But there wasn't really a rumour that, oh, Real Madrid are interested or Bayern Munich. I mean, I found that quite interesting. So, 
we are left with Harry Kane and he's left with us. Um, and, you know, do we believe what we're being told that he's going to stay for the whole of this season? Well, we'll find out in January. I just want to see him enjoying his football again because I think we all agree um, that, or most people would, that he doesn't seem to be enjoying his football and it is affecting his game. And we want him back to his best, don't we? Russ, just very quickly on that, just to pick you up. Will Harry Kane enjoy his football again for you in a Spurs shirt? Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I Look, it sounds like a Nuno bashing session, this, and it isn't because I, I like all of us. If he, We're just if trying to be he, honest. We're trying to be honest. If he became the great yeah. Spurs manager between now and Christmas, yeah. you know, we were scoring hundreds of goals and not we'd be happy, We'd be delighted. Yeah, We would, and we'd be thrilled for him, right? Mm. But we all have this kind of football fan feeling it's probably not going to work out. And, you know, sorry, Nuno, if you're watching this, a different manager a quality manager, which, you know, will will Daniel Levy even get the chance to bring one in? Probably not. Yeah. You know, I think that could change the mindset, galvanise him a little bit. He knows that in the dressing room, there's people there who are unhappy they're not playing and stuff is happening and that some of his mates are probably going to have to leave the club and he feels, you know, disaffected with Daniel Levy. And I've got to be honest with you, I don't know about you guys, I would as well. Yeah. Really, if we wanted to go, let's be fair. We, we, but, I think, yeah, we, today you know, said, you know, I'm not, I'm not accepting anything less than that. And yeah. no one else has come in for you, Harry. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You know, it, I think he's that brutal. You know, he would have said, wouldn't he, to Harry Kane when he gave him the big long contract, you know, we're going to make you financially secure for the rest of your life and your family and their kids. Probably true. Good luck to him. He's got the most precious commodity in football, goals, right? But his agent should have sat down and said, ah, yes, but Mr. Chairman, I want this, this and this because he's got goals in him that will win you things. And if our chairman and board and owners were serious about winning things, really serious, that would have carried weight and the argument and the agreement would have been different and Harry would not be in the position he's in now. I, I, I can't understand spot people on, yeah. back. I just no, can't understand fans who yeah. turn on him. No, you're, you're spot on there, Russ. And I think, like you said there, um, had Harry had in, you know, a, a top-class manager, dare I say, a Conte of that ilk, I think he would be giving it time. I think he would actually sit there and think, you know what, he gave it time with Mourinho because Mourinho was in and, you know, he was told, you know, this guy, you know, we're bringing this guy in to win trophies. Um, and I've said this before with Conte and we said it's all fair for us. You know, the minute you go into talks with Conte and it's actually been broadcasted and it's out in the public, I don't care. You have to get that done because anybody bar Antonio Conte is going to be a step down. And that's obvious. You know, Nuno was in talks with Palace, in talks with Everton. You look at the level of those clubs. Spurs were in a Champions League final, you know, 18 to 24 months ago. The, the rapid decline, like I say, it's it's hard to bear um, but, George, just come around to you. We've got a question yes. here um, from uh, Savaraj BG who says, do you think that Kane is still actually playing for us? I struggle to remember one good move he did for us during this game. To me, he's looking more and more finished. Now, when I was typing up the notes, you know, part of me thought, you know what, out of all the players there, and I'm not defending Kane for his actions in the summer, I thought there was actually worse players than Kane on the pitch today. But naturally, for that goal, um, for, for me, his lazy passing... And his yeah. non-concentration whilst marking their most dangerous player at a set piece. It doesn't feel for me like he is all there. So where are you on Harry Kane for you? Does he have a long-term future at the club? Will he be here beyond the summer? 
I mean, obviously, like today was was terrible, especially by his standards. But at the end of the day, just rewind back a week, and we all thought Harry Kane was back. He was playing much better against Newcastle. He got a great goal again to try and get him off the, um, just get him going again. So I don't think, for me personally, um, I, I think there's quite a lot of factors that are move, coming into his frustrations. I think not having that sort of creative midfielder that can get him the ball at the times has fed into it as well. I don't think it's necessarily just the situation of, oh, I didn't get my move away, so I'm going to be terrible now. Because let's be honest, Kane wants to smash that Shearer record. He is going to want to get goals regardless of whether it's Spurs, City, United. As long as it's in the Premier League, he's going to want to get goals regardless. The problem is, we've said this obviously so much today already, but there are other issues on the pitch where who's going to get the ball to him? There have been plenty of games that he's played so far. And I'm thinking, well, there's a reason why he comes deep to collect the ball so often. It's because there is no one else apart from maybe Son that can actually get the ball to him. We don't have that Ericsson type player. If we did sign Bruno Fernandes a couple of years back, we would have had that. And just quickly on like the manager situation before, you're right. I think if we had a higher quality manager, Look what Mourinho did. All right, Mourinho had other issues with other players and so on and so forth, but he actually made Kane explode with the amount of goals and assists that he got from having one of the world's best ever managers at his disposal. And now we've gone to a manager who finished 12th and then 7th and 7th with Wolves or whatever it was. Where's Kane going to get the motivation to start doing what he did in the pre in, in last season? Um, he, he's not going to get the right coaching from Nuno to then explode the way he did last season as well. So I think, to be honest, there's a lot of things that are frustrating Kane right now. And I definitely think he can come back from it because whether that be a top, top, top quality manager, maybe he just needs to find his feet in a few games. We've got a, um, a fairly easy run coming up if he can get some more goals. Look back at the, was it the 16-17 season? I don't think he scored in the first four games, like the whole of August and a bit of September. Ended up winning the Golden Boot. And scoring 20 plus goals anyway. So it, it's not too late for him at all. Um, I just think he needs to kind of find that motivation on and off the pitch, whether yeah. that be making some better signings in January, whether that means getting a much better manager in. I don't know. Um, but I think there's quite a lot of factors feeding into his frustrations at the moment. Yeah. I mean, Frank, coming over to you, and I think it's important there to give that angle which George has picked up there, you know, that um, ultimately Kane scores that goal against Newcastle last week, a really, really good finish. And we're all sitting there saying, he's back. Harry Kane's a man. You know, that kind of goal, it's typical Kane-esque. And, you know, then you kind of have the other side of the of the coin that says, you know, it's it does feel that little bit depressing that keeping Kane in the summer felt like a real win. But, you know, it, it's games like today where almost it's not like he's even there. It's, it's really hard to find a balance here. Can you find me that balance, you know, on Kane? Should we be optimistic? Because I know you're one of Kane's biggest fans. I think you said, you know, people will be a fool to question his goal-scoring ratio this season, he will get goals. Are you still confident on that for you? Well, you can't ever doubt Harry Kane, but I'm glad George said that about Jose Mourinho because I get pelters. And if you're a Tottenham fan and you say that Jose Mourinho got the very best out of Harry Kane, bearing in mind in, in the Pochettino era, he had Dembele, he had Ericsson, he had a prime Deli Alley who was at it then. So he had a better team around him. Jose was good for Kane. And I, I think you're, you're totally right. His head went... And, and Son as went, well. Son as well. In and Son stage. as well. Of course, he changed the game. I mean, Kane, for the first time since 1994, Andy Cole at Newcastle, top goal scorer, top assist maker. That is crazy to get that in such a hard league, to achieve both of those in the Premier League. And I think that after they sacked Jose six days before a cup final, because he loved and adored Jose Mourinho, the post-Mourinho comments he has made about, I will always be in touch with him. Yep. He's one of the best managers I've ever had. 
etc. Yeah. Um, I think he was devastated because he felt that he had a chance to win something with Mourinho. Then that chance went, and the way it was done was an absolute shambles. Then there's rumours of a man like Conte, who I was actually having this chat with my friend before I came on. I was saying that if Conte had came to Spurs, I think that would have kept him happy because he's a proven winner. He'd probably look at him and think this is a superstar winning manager, ex-Premier League winning manager in recent years, Serie A winning manager, and all the rest of it. Um, he would be giving that extra energy and a bit of revitalisation from going flat post-Mourinho. So I totally agree with what you're saying. But what also doesn't help Kane is the fact that both fullbacks, I mean, Emerson, we haven't seen enough of him yet, but I haven't seen him put any good crosses in for Tottenham yet. Uh, Reguilon's crossing today was awful, barring one, which was to Kane for the header that Fabianzi made quite a good save. We're not getting enough crosses into the box for Harry when he used to have Trippier, who was a fantastic crosser with the ball, and he used to score a lot of goals off Trippier. Yep. Um, we haven't got that Ericsson style. I love that word you used there, Russ, locksmith. We haven't got a locksmith who yep. can pick them beautiful through balls and set them free. We're not creating enough chances for Harry Kane. And outside of Kane and Son, who... I mean, Tangi again, enigma's the right word. We, we don't know. We don't know what he's going to do this season. But is there a player in that team that sits behind Kane that's going to get 15-odd assists like Ericsson used to get? I can't see it. Well, so and, who is and, there to, who's to provide for Kane? There's no one to yeah, provide for him. Very moment. quickly, we had Bell and Vinicius, who, okay, maybe Vinicius didn't do it in the Prem game yep. whenever he came on, but he got us a lot of goals in the like, Europa League, which is what we could have done with. We must say, you know, Bell, you know, whatever you say, Bale and Vinicius, you're taking 26 goals yeah. in all competitions out of a team and you are not replacing those goals. And I'm not being funny. It's, it's okay. Yeah, Bale, it might have taken a long time for him to get going or whatever, or maybe the, whatever situation with Mourinho, that's, that's mm-hmm. another thing. But yep. the matter of the fact is, when he did play, he was just another player we were getting loads of goals and assists from. It was a great yep. outlet and something mm-hmm. that Lucas and Bergwijn have not been able to do at all in, in the last year. Yeah. Uh, Russ, let's come around to you. Um, Substitution-wise, Spurs uh, made a cut of changes as that game went on after conceding. They brought Hill on for Regulon, Lecelso on for Ndombele. Skip actually ended up playing left-back for Spurs yeah. again. Um, too late. They I don't know. That was a, that was, I mean, that definitely was a Nuno masterclass with Skip at left-back. But um, what did you make of those changes? Is it just simply too reactive rather than proactive for you, Russ? Yes, there was no proaction at all. Yeah. I mean, it was too late in the game. Really, I mean, West Ham were just set up and they just decided, well, you're not going to score a goal and we're going to win the game uh, 1-0. And of course, to them, uh, it's a massive game for them. I mean, I, I, I don't feel this, you know, tremendous desire to play West Ham every week and beat them every week like I do Arsenal. You know, it's just the way it is. Um, but I, I, I just thought the management of, of, of the game, as we've talked about already, the tactics... The formation is a bit weird, you know, as I think Frank was saying, it could have been George as well. I, I just think the whole thing, I mean, I, I a mate of mine, he messages me on Twitter while we're watching the game. And I, I hand on heart, I sent him a, as the corner was coming in. I said, we're a bit, you know what's coming yeah, now, you don't know you? Yeah, and we all did. I'm sorry to say it went yeah, in. Yeah. And we all yeah. know that because yeah. we know our football club and it was an awful goal to concede and on yeah. the subject of corners why can't we take them 
They were dreadful today, and they're yep. dreadful most weeks. We need we need a set piece coach, don't we? They've been dreadful for years, Russ. Even yeah, Ericsson used to struggle to be the first man on, yeah, on many um, occasions. Everybody yeah. else manages too. Anyway, there you go. Yeah, um, let's talk about the fullbacks very quickly. Uh, Emerson Royal. I mean, he played well in the past couple of games, but he couldn't maintain the same levels up in East London as uh, Frank picked up um, up against a skillful side. Ben Rama at the back and didn't have much impact going forward. George. And with regards to Emerson Royale, do you have high hopes that he can go on to become that right back we crave? I mean, I always bring this back to, you know, when we had Danny Rose and Carl mm. Walker flying down the flags. Ultimately, I think for Spurs, you know, if we're going to have any success, you know, that's where we had our, our real genuine posing threat. We had a real direct left back and right back really tearing into teams. We want to get back to that. You know, with Royale, is it too early to make that judgment at the moment for you? Yeah, for me, I think it's just a bit too early because, I mean, first couple of games didn't look amazing. Denny did pretty well for the next couple. And then again today, not not, not great. Well, in fact, I think he was the worst player on the pitch today, in my opinion. Um, I think Frank said it earlier. I think is or maybe Russell, I can't remember who, but the point of the fact that he just wasn't delivering any crosses. And we notice it every single game. He kind of gets forward and then instantly just passes back to Skip or Hoiberg, whoever's there. I haven't seen him do a delivery once, I don't think, into the box. Um, which is a problem because if we're not going to have Lucas out wide there or whoever it may be, we're going to need that option to to have a cross in there. And it might be the only way we get goals um, with our forwards. So th there are some issues, but again, I don't want to judge a new player too soon. Yeah. New country. He looked good in moments, poor in others. Yeah. It, for me, it's just a wait and see sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Sergio Regulon, let's come around to you on this, Frank, because, um, you know, he did make some good runs down that left-hand side at times, put some crosses in. Most notably the one you said earlier about the Kane header just before half-time and the one that Oliver Skipped almost connected with minutes after that restart. You know, the thing with him is what I find with Regulon, and uh, speaking to our good friend, as we know, Frank, Andy Costa, he drives him absolutely mad because, you know, we've got a you know, player there that has got an abundance of pace, but that following product is always so frustrating with Regulon. Do you think we are going to end up seeing him to be consistent at Tottenham? There's been reports, which I know have been shot down in flames, about potentially Real Madrid looking to activate that buyback clause. Um, I would say if they've been washing him over the last six to 12 months, I think he's nowhere near the standard of what Real Madrid would be looking for. Am I right in saying that, do you think? Yeah, um, he's another one. We've got so many players like that, like Ndombele, like Lucas, like Regulon. They're so frustrating because you, in some certain games and parts of games, you see the quality they've got. But then they drift and go missing and, and they're erratic. And we've got so many players like that, just so inconsistent. And Regulon's got all that pace. He's up against Ben Johnson today, who's the who's a young kid. Um, obviously, the first choice right back for West Ham was out with an injury. I felt that's where we could possibly get some joy today with obviously Son and Regulon with their pace. And we didn't exploit it, nowhere near enough for me. And I think with Regulon, he's so inconsistent. Um, he's got all that pace. He can deliver the ball. We've seen it at times, but not consistently. I think two good crosses out of eight attempted today or nine. And he's just, just another player we've got like that in, in our squad that you don't know what you're going to get from them um, before a game. We haven't got many of them players who you, you could hand on heart say, we're going to get a seven out of 10 for him every week. We haven't got many of them. And he's just another one that one week can be a seven and the next week can be a four. And... Yeah. Um, He's got potential to be a fantastic player. I just, I don't know, Rick. I can't answer yeah. that question, whether, whether he's going to be a top player for us. Uh, for Sevilla, when they won the UEFA Cup Europa League. Yeah, it was, he, it was he, phenomenal. He, yeah, he was one of the best left backs in Spain. 
Yeah, if you speak to any Seville fans, they were they were going mad about him. They honestly were the so the, the praise for him was you know, they they were you know loved him over there, absolutely loved him. Um, so again, it's another one where you say they frank the word potential. I mean, if every club was at a, at a defining word about potential, that'd be Tottenham. Potential to do this, potential to do that. I mean, enigmas. We've, we're a squad full of enigmas, potential, inconsistent players, frustration. We'll take those. And, and as, as I said, we've got so many of these players, and yeah. it frustrates the life out of me, Rick. Indeed. Oh, mate, we're, we're all there with you. Um, Eric Dyer, um, defended well against the Hammers and produced some timely blocks and interceptions. And we mentioned Oliver Skip earlier with a good tackle on the edge of the area early on and made life difficult for his opponents in the middle of that pitch as usual, inches away from converting Regulon's cross at the start of that second half. Um, Russell, I want to ask you about Pierre-Emile Hoybier, who today I thought was uncharacteristically poor on the ball. He couldn't really find his intended target on a number of occasions. It wasn't his best day at the office. Do you you think, Russ, what's really I'm worried about damaging Hoybier is that we haven't got almost a like-for-like alternative to him. And we saw it last season. We we ran him to the ground at the point where he ended up giving away, I think, uh, two penalties in the space of two games. If you remember, I think the Everton Cup game. um, People people have to give me the game after that as well. We gave away a penalty. Um, I think maybe, was it Leeds? I'm trying to remember back now when it was. Um, But I'm really worried that, you know, by not having that alternative to Hoybier, we're going to be in exactly the same position again. Do you agree? Well, you know, we've got a squad of 25, but it is a bit threadbare. At Tottenham, isn't it? In in many areas, and that area, obviously, you're quite right, Ricky is is one of them. And this is the danger. He's one of our standout players, I think, Hoiberg. And um, it, you know, we can. He plays nearly every game, to be fair, and he gets battered and bruised, doesn't he? I mean, he took a, a real knock today. I thought he had a dead leg, but he carried on. Um, and uh, yeah, we are going to run these players into the ground and we do need backup in the right areas. And that's why to go back to what we were talking about earlier, we need to uh, ship a few out in the nicest possible way for them to pursue their football careers somewhere else and actually reinforce in these areas. This is what Paratici has, has come in for. And I'm presuming he's still happy doing what he's doing, but you know, he's he's going to be the busiest man in North London. He is. Mm. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I, 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 we hope he will be busy. Uh, we all hope he will be indeed. Yeah. Um, Lucas Mora had another shot after a good turn in the box today, but didn't see much of the ball in that first half down his flank. Helped out defensively, but struggled when it came to his attacking plan. Hook late on. Hummin saw with some doggy work from the player midway through that first half to tee up Lucas after not having much of an impact prior to that. I mean, he, he did get himself in a number of good positions, Sonny, but in the second half, not having that final pass to him was lacking. And overall, a bit of a quiet day for the South Korean on a day where Spurs ultimately needed more. Uh, we did see Brian Hill go on to the left, but couldn't help Spurs get back in the game later on. Stephen Bergvine coming on as a very, very late substitute. So, ultimately, I say that is how it panned out against West Ham. Uh, we are going to go for our final break of the show. Uh, taking you into this break, you're going to hear from two of our Burnley podcasters for our listeners on audio. Uh, we've got the guys over at the Turfcast podcast and also the No Nay Never podcast that preview Burnley to come. Um, like I say, when we come back, we're going to do a quick five on Burnley, our thoughts on that and where we see ultimately Spurs going in terms of that Carabao Cup. Hello, I'm Adam from the No Nay Never podcast and I'm here to preview the upcoming Last 16 Carabao Cup tie between Burnley and Spurs. To get to this stage, the Clarets have beaten Newcastle on penalties at St James's Park and a come-from-behind win against Rochdale at home. It's no mean feat it was getting to this stage after our struggles in cup competitions in recent seasons. Uh, for this week's game, I think we'll start in a 4-4-2 formation. Um, we have tried to be a bit more flexible with that since we signed Maxwell Corney. 
But after he limped off at Southampton, I doubt he'll be risked for the game, even uh, even if it's not too serious. So then we'll line up with Wayne Hennessy in goal, who was particularly good at Newcastle before missing the Rochdale game with illness. Um, hopefully we'll see Connor Roberts at right back, uh, but he wasn't in the squad for the Southampton game. Um, and a lot of Burnley fans are looking forward to seeing what he can offer us uh, after signing from Swansea in the summer. And then... I think Nathan Collins will line up in defence, who has been particularly good uh, on his starts uh, against Rochdale, Manchester City and Southampton. And who will partner him, I'm not sure. It depends if Ben Mee um, is fit uh, after missing um, a spell out through COVID. If not, I think Tarkovsky will partner Collins. We haven't really seen Kevin Long this season. Um, and then at left-back, I think Eric Peters will come in for Charlie Taylor, which is not much of a change, really. Uh, they're both pretty similar level. Uh, I think it'll be good to uh, give Peters a good bit of game time. Uh, midfield, I think on the wings, we'll uh, have Johan Berg-Gudmundsen uh, and a familiar face to Spurs fans, Aaron Lennon. Um, you'll be pleased to know that Arsenal still uh, give him uh, a big round of boos when he was warming up in uh, our game against them the other week. So they've obviously not forgotten his exploits in the North London derby. In centre of the park, I think we'll have two of Cork, Brownhill and Westwood. Again, not much between those three. Um, and if I had to pick now, I think it'll be Cork and Brownhill, just given the number of minutes Westwood's played this season. He's had a bit of a dip in form recently. Again, it's a bit of a topic of conversation at the moment, our lack of creativity from the middle of the park and people getting very excited about the prospects of maybe bringing Barkley in uh, in January from Chelsea on loan. But we'll see what happens there. And then up front, I'm um, hoping to see Matty Vidra and Jay Rodriguez, hero of the last round, four goals against Rochdale. Um, and yeah, be good to see him back in the starting lineup. I think Chris Wood will get a rest. He's not been his usual self the last few weeks. Uh, he's had a very busy time with New Zealand as well, so I can't see him playing much of this game, although he might have something to say off the bench. Uh, in terms of tactics, I don't think you'll see anything different from uh, different from us. I think we'll press high, uh, try and take advantage of um, any mistakes we can force you into and obviously be a threat from dead ball situations, as that's clearly a strength. Uh, and we've actually had great success against Nuno in the last couple of seasons when we've really pressed his Wolves teams. But I know it's a, um, it's a different level of opposition now he's, uh, now he's at Spurs. I think a lot will depend on the Spurs line-up. Um, I think we'll be competitive whatever it is but it'll be more difficult if the likes of Kane and Son are playing um, I'm looking back and I've been surprised how strong your cup lineups have been this season uh, but I don't don't really know how much that we're down to getting much needed minutes into Kane's legs uh, we'll have to perform well Spurs will have to have an off night for us to progress uh, but hopefully this can happen and we can kickstart our league form with a big game against Brentford coming on turf at weekend uh, so I'm going to go for a 2-1 Burnley victory, but at least I know uh, in the back of my mind that there won't be any extra time drama to worry about, like back in 2009 when Pavlyuchenko broke our hearts uh, in the 118th minute of that semi-final. Still not over that to this day. Cheers and all the best for the rest of the season. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organisations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people. 
enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train, and retain them. Phoenix 51, powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. Hi guys, it's Joe Redman here from Burnley Podcast, the Turfcast podcast, with my preview for this week's game at Turf Moor, which of course is in the Carabao Cup and it's Burnley against Tottenham. Thank you for inviting me on to your brilliant podcast once again, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Um, I don't think it's obviously the biggest game um, for either side really, both both teams have other things to... Um, you know, put more importance on obviously us with the Premier League survival and and you with getting out of this this sort of like rut of form that you find yourselves in. Um, so I don't think either side will be taking it too seriously. But of course, that doesn't mean either side wants to win. Of course, I'd like to see us win. Um, but I, I I wouldn't really be wanting Sean Dice to put a, a, a quite a strong lineup out if I'm going to be honest. Um, so let's talk about the teams that I want Sean to put out. Um, first of all, Maxwell Corner. He is. Head and shoulders above anyone in our squad at the moment. He's hit the ground running. He scored three goals in his last two games. Um, obviously, he got the goals uh, this weekend against Southampton. Uh, one, a brilliant header uh, and a fantastic half volley, um, which flew into the bottom corner from around 20 yards out. Probably a bit generous there, actually. Probably around 15 yards out. Um, but the first one was a brilliant header as well, which he, 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 um, he took brilliantly after a fantastic cross from Lawton. But, you know, he's, he's very important to us, and I think we're going to need to keep him um injury free uh, if we are to stay up so i'm hoping that you know um he doesn't really feature much this weekend um this week should i say sorry um so i'm hoping he's rested um i'd play chris wood though um, because he's bang out of form and he, 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 he needs some goals um and i'm obviously expecting you to play a weekend side as well um so you know chris wood might fancy his chances against a weakened tottenham side um so i play chris wood but i drop the likes of lawton i give connor roberts a run out but you know that's not necessarily a downgrade roberts has looked very very good when he's played for wales and when he played at swansea last season he hasn't actually played for burnley yet so we might see a debut for one of our new signings there in connor roberts um eric peters at left back and i'd even change the goalkeeper Pope. Um, ben Mee's injured so I wouldn't rush him back just yet so you're probably going to see Collins and Tarkey at centre-back um, I would like to see the, the the formation mixed up slightly though if I'm being honest which is just something that Sean Dice isn't going to do um, because uh, he's just very very rigid with what he does um, but he has started to experiment with certain things recently in the last few games he's trying to get corner implemented into the side um, which he's done quite well but he's not Tracking back, which sounds stupid because there's someone who's so good. Like United don't really ask Ronaldo to track back. Um, and I think, you know, I'm not comparing them to. Um, but I think we should do something similar with Corner, Put him up front with Wood um, and get Woody to do some of the backtracking. Because Woody, you know, he's, he's good with set pieces and things like that. And he's, he's good at getting in position and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I'd like to see that. But the team I'd go for, put NSA in goal, give Pope a rest. He's not really been too good uh, this season, to be fair, as Pope. Um, he was all right against Southampton, to be fair, but uh, Hennessy in goal. Um, Eric Peters at left back. I'd have um, Collins and Tarkett in the middle. Uh, and uh, Sorry, Eric Peters at left back, not Conor Roberts. And Conor Roberts over in right, uh, at right back. Uh, and then the two that I've just mentioned in the um, central back positions. And now, what I would do is I play like a. A four five one four three three sort of vibe. So a four five one when you're out of possession, you know, so formations are quite fluid these days. And um a four three three when you're in possession. And what I would do is um I'd have Chris Wood up top on his own. I wouldn't do this normally, uh, but Chris Wood up top on his own. I'd like to see Vidra get a run out. 
<coughs> but I want uh, Woody scoring goals, as I've already mentioned. So Chris Wood up front on his own. Um, and then I'd, I'd play Dwight McNeil because he seems to be, you know, he's, he's still young, so I think he can handle playing quite regular. Um, and he's been in the Premier League quite a while. I made his 100th appearance this weekend, actually, for the Clarets. Um, and Goodmanson on the right. Um, and then the midfield... Um, is pretty much open to interpretation. I, I feel like we need different midfielders, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but any one of the three that we've already got, because quite frankly, um, for me, they, they, um, they're not good enough. So I, I, I just mix and match with them and try them in a different formation. So your Brown or your Westin, your Cork is what I'm talking about there. And just try them in the different formation, see how it works. If it doesn't work, um, you know, against probably what will be a Tottenham B side. Um, similar ones that you played in the in the conference league the other week. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good game, though. Um, like I said, we, we both have more important things to look forward to and concentrate on. Um, and you know what? I I actually fancy our chances because I think you are just going to not throw the game, but similar to what you've been doing in the conference league, play a very very youthful side, very very weak side. Um, I can't see Kane playing a part. Um, I think if you rock up and play your first teamers, then yeah, we we are going to struggle. But I think you're going to play a mixed side. So I'm I'm hoping for a Burnley win. I'm going to predict a Burnley win. I'm going to say two nil to the Clarets, maybe two one. Um, and hopefully that just kickstarts our season because to be honest, we need it a little bit. Um, but then having said that, you could be going for for that mindset, right? Get the win kickstart the season uh, and push on but best of luck lads thanks for inviting me on your podcast once again it's an absolute pleasure um and yeah i'll see you later in the season for the league games and you know what's funny people go mad at me saying why is this so important to you, do you know what, to me this burnley game is a, is a hugely important game in spurs this season i said this earlier and i'll reinforce the point that you know what spurs can win as a club and i said when you look at the case in the premier league where spurs are at um europa conference league let's be honest about it we win that we'll get bantered for it like there's no tomorrow then you've got the FA Cup and the League Cup. Two of Spurs' competitions where you feel, if we're going to be successful, these are the two. And like Phil says on the screen there, can we do it up on a wet Wednesday, Wednesday night in Burnley, if I can get my words out? And because Sean Dyche's men, they bowed out to eventual champions, Man City in the fourth round of the Cup last year. And this year they saw off big spending, expected Newcastle United on the third round in penalties and then rushed out to earn their spot against Spurs in this last 16 um, they've just come off the back of a 2-2 draw against Southampton, which many will probably say it's not a bad result. Uh, Russ, let's start with you. How important is this game to you? Spurs, Burnley, Carabao Cup? Um, it's a lot more important than the Europa Conference League, that's for sure. Uh, I think it's a difficult game for Spurs. Sean Dyche, you know, hell of a manager. Um, whatever you think about the style of play, I think I worry about this game because I think he'll relish, his, him and his players will relish playing Tottenham and where we are at the moment. I mean, if it didn't go our way, it would be hugely disappointing. And then to, you know, play Manchester United at the weekend in the Premier League, which is going to be a huge game for obvious reasons for them, and it should be for us. If both those games went against us, well, then we have got a big problem. Uh, but I hope that we can come through it on a wet and windy wet night in Burnley. Fingers crossed. We're going to come back around you in a second, Russ, for your prediction. Let's go over to George. Um, do you know what? Like I say, it's... It's going to be tough, George, up there, isn't it? You know, you never get an easy an easy game at Burnley. I know we always get joked at by saying it's always a tough place to go. It does feel like at Spurs, we make it tough. You know, Mourinho, yeah. um, that game out there, got it. We made that tough on that night, if you remember that, in the Premier League last season. Um, as we understand at the moment, in terms of team news, and of course this may change in the next few days, uh, Benmi is out for the moment with coronavirus, um, but it does remain to be seen whether he will recover in time for this game. We understand that he'll be out of his isolation period. 
um, ahead of this game. So one to keep an eye on, obviously, player for Burnley, Ben Mee, of course. How do you see this game going, George, before you are, you reveal your prediction? Do you back Spurs to go there and put a performance in? Oh, I don't know about go putting a performance in after what I've seen from this week. <laughs> but um, um, I think, we're, well, we're definitely going to play a bit of a weakened team because let's be real, I think full focus is going to be a taking advantage of... Um, can he though, George? You know, I, I, I must pick up on that. You know, we're saying a weakened team, but can he? And you look at the results and, you know, in terms of if Nuno's going to be successful... This is a competition where, for me, he's got to take it massively seriously. I, I think he should take it seriously because we definitely do need to focus on getting a trophy. Because like you said uh, earlier on in the podcast, leagues are the question, completely out the question. So something like the Carabao Cup, FA Cup, it's definitely got to be a big focus. The problem is if he then puts a full strength team against Burnley and then they're all knackered for and we play terrible against Man U, then there's going to be calling through his head as well and there's going to be complaints there's just going to be complaints either way I, he's not going to play a full strength first team against Burnley um, but we definitely can't have a situation where we're not travelling without any of them <laughs> because just in case we might need to bring them on I always prefer starting a stronger team and then getting the lead and taking those players off I've always preferred that but no manager ever seems to do it <laughs> we always seem to wait until we're trailing before bringing on the likes of Kane and Son and whatever Um it's going to be a tough one. I think it's, it's a perfect game for Sean Dyche and Burnley to, again, take advantage of how poor we've been recently and the issues we have. So I'm really not expecting too much, but I do think, I agree with you, I think Carabao Cup's got to be a bit of a main focus this season. Yep, I agree. Um, Frank, let's come around to you. Apart from, like I say, Ben Me, we understand Dyche has got a full squad to pick from at his disposal. What do you see in your intentions for you? How important is this game for you, Frank? I know you're back with me during the week. God bless you. Um, <laughs> for your sins of doing this. Uh, how important is it for you, the Carabao Cup, Frank? Any trophy is important. Um, I agree with Russ, not the Conference League. Uh, that, what does that get you? you? They both get Europa at the end of the day. So gets, gets you back in Europa League. I want a domestic English trophy. It's been too long. We have to get this mm. um, this this run uh, finished yeah. of 13 years 2008 it's not good enough for a club like spurs we used to be the cup side back that in the agree. 80s particularly we haven't won an fa cup in the premier league era um we haven't won any trophy since 2008 it's embarrassing however we haven't got the squad um to, to rotate um and put two quality sides out like obviously we're miles away from manchester city i'm not using them as a barometer because with the, the backing they've got it's unrealistic but we're so shy on, on the, the quality and depth in this squad that it makes it hard for Nuno. I, I think it would be a mix and match. Um, I think that he will consider personally, I just think he will consider Manchester United a more important game, which I do understand. And I believe that his mandate from the club is to finish in the top four over getting us a trophy. I truly believe that's what he's been in. That, that's the instruction. I think that's the messages the board will be giving him. We need to get back into the Champions League, revenue, etc. However, I'm a traditional football fan there is nothing better than a doubt at Wembley and seeing your team lift the trophy. I've been fortunate enough to see it twice in my lifetime. Um, I've also been unfortunate enough to see a couple of cup final losses in stadiums. But that feeling of winning a cup at Wembley is, is beautiful. And I, I would love to win this League Cup. However, again, context, I don't think we've got the squad to, to juggle and mix. And I think Manchester United will be... Again, in, in Nuno's eyes, the, the, the more important game. So we'll see. But it won't be an easy game up there. Uh, Burnley haven't exactly been setting the world on fire this season. Have they won a game in the league yet? Uh, I think they're off, the, they're off the mark in the league. They are, they're off no, the mark. No, points-wise, during the week a bit. Yeah. Have they actually won a game? So so they're not exactly in, in vintage form. 
No. Um, but if we can't go up to Burnley and, and beat them in the League Cup, then what does that say about us at the end well, of the day? And that's no disrespect to them, but they are floating around yeah. the bottom of the table. So yeah. we, we, we should be taking this seriously because we, we need a trophy. We're a laughing stock for the fact that we don't win trophies and cups. It's yeah. one of the biggest sort of mean banter things that's used against us. So why not try and go and win a cup? And it would be such a lift for this fan base if we finally won a trophy again. Totally agree. Let's close the show with predictions. Uh, Frank, let's start with you. Predictions for both games, Burnley and Manchester well, United. We'll, go, we'll, go, we'll, stick with, we'll stick with Burnley for the moment. We'll do that. You'll do your prediction on uh, on Wednesday for Man United after, okay. we've, after we've reviewed it. Okay. Well, uh, well, um, predicting Spurs at the moment is, is a tough task, to be totally honest. But I think we should have enough to get past Burnley. And I'm going to predict a 3-1 win for Tottenham. Everyone win for Tottenham, and like I say, Frank, we back to uh, see if that did come true on Wednesday night. Let's go, let's go <laughs> for his sins. Let's come back round to George. Uh, George, prediction: What are we going for? Um, I think it's going to be one all, and then win an extra time. To be honest with you, uh, just I, think they, I think there is no extra time. I think we go straight to penalties. Straight penalties. Okay, then penalties. Straight penalties. penalties. I, I, I think I think Dice is just going to set them up well enough to frustrate us, especially if we're not going to have a full full strength team. Um, so I'd say one all in the ninety, and then yeah, well, I guess a win on penalties if it's if it straight depends. I want to know the last time Spurs actually won uh, two consecutive penalty shootouts in a the season. There will be a record there somewhere, yeah. and uh, I mean, Luno would be delighted to actually claim that record if that is yeah. one uh, before he does get maybe the boot. Um, Russ, let's come round to you. Um, prediction ahead of Burnley to come in the cup. Let's be positive. Two one. Harry Kane off the bench. Ninety third minute winner. I and like that. You want to be going good on you, Harry. Can I you? like that. Not not the heart attack of penalties to come. Honestly, he's no. there. Oh, I feel a lot better now already. Therapy, like I say, out of the way. Thank <laughs> you so much. Russ, um, where can we find your elite work? Please tell us for our wonderful listener base. Where My can we find work. your dulcet um, tones of Russ Williams? Where can we um, find you? I'm working um, not so much on the football at the moment. I'm, I'm working on a series uh, boxing fans may have heard. They'll love it. it it's called Fight of My Life. Okay. I, do with, I do it with Spencer Oliver, and I we're think... just put, we're putting together a series three that's on Talk Sport from mid-November. We've got some big names: Joe Calzaghe, Carl Frampton, Bob Arum, the legendary American boxing promoter, uh, and Michael Watson, which we've done and is awesome. So Love that's it. what I'm doing at the minute. And Amazing. thank you for having me on. It's been oh, such pleasure. a pleasure. No, pleasure's been all ours. Oh, it's been lovely. Like I say, we look forward to having you back on throughout the season, Russ. Uh, where hopefully uh, things will be um, a little bit better in, in the Spurs camp. Uh, finger, fingers crossed, we hope. Uh, George, lovely having you on. George, where can we find also all your content? Please tell us where we can find. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, just, just George Achillea on everything on like YouTube, Instagram, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Trying to follow Spurs away, home, much as possible, doing vlogs. But hopefully they start getting a little bit more positive again soon. But yeah, yeah just George Achillea on everything. Amazing. Thank you. And, uh, Frankie, come around to you. We know you are home and away. Although, um, what they're doing to you at the moment, I'm not sure if they can keep doing you home and away the way they're treating you at the moment. Um, where can we find all your all your details, Frank? On the Twitter? Uh, I'm, I'm back on Twitter. Unfortunately, I was removed at 70,000 followers on Twitter, as you know, Rick, for absolutely no reason, which is disappointing because I used to actually have a bit of a Spurs following on there. But I'm back on Twitter, as you can see, at Frank Major underscore. As always, thank you so much for all your support to Russ, to George, to Frank. Please, guys, um, keep safe, keep well. And like I say, just a reminder, we are live. on um, our first radio show back on national radio with the BBC Sport London on Monday evening. Um, we're not sure what we've got in store, but my God, fingers crossed, we hope. Um, we'll be a bit more positively 24 hours later. Who knows what's to come? Is it a new manager? 
who knows at all. But uh, let's say, keep it real, keep safe, keep well. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.